I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friends Burke and Rivka, and this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How are you today, Burke? I am having a fantastic day. I'm happy to be here. I am happy to be here as well. Uh, So thank you for being here um, with us, me and Rivka and you. It's always a great time to talk about General Conference talks. Have you been working on any invitations? So I continue to work on being better at ministering. And a couple of days ago, I was out in my front driveway with my daughter washing my van and the missionaries happened by. And I was like, oh, hey, elders, how it's going? And they're like, well, we were just in the neighborhood, you know, visiting so-and-so. It's having some issues. And that so-and-so was one of the brothers I ministered to who was having an issue I was not aware of. Oh. So I was called to repentance by not having done my job good enough. So it was kind of a week that sting a little bit. And so... <laughs> Um, I got in contact with him and, and had to apologize that I, I hadn't been keeping close enough track. So, um, this was a re a rebuilding week for me. Okay. Excellent. So now you're, you're back on track. I love it. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rivka, how about you? How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm really happy to be Wonderful. here. Wonderful. How about your journey of discipleship and your Sharing the gospel in normal and natural ways and the other things you've been working on. All those, all those. I know. The journey of discipleship, it's really open, isn't it? Like there's so many different things. It, like it is. Working on. It's a very broad goal. Um, so I have recently been sort of called to repentance again. I don't know. <laughs> I mean that in the, in the way that the Lord does it in his loving, like little correction ways, because I feel like I did this before with scripture study. Like you need to make some adjustments in the way that you're doing it. So I guess I've felt that again because the school year's starting and 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 schedules change and and I don't know why that's one of the things that is so easy to drop in the list of priorities. Not that I don't do it, but it becomes a thing that I'm like squeezing in, you know, in between all the other stuff. And so I right. had a week where I felt um Oh, chastised and chastened a little bit about where I have allowed it to slip in my list of priorities. So I'm going to be working on that. Okay, awesome. So refocusing on intentional scripture study. Yeah, and and having it be a priority in my day when I plan out what I do with my time rather than shoving it in the corner here and there. Right. Yeah. We are going to talk about, in this talk, saving the best parts for ourselves. <laughs> yes. Um, so. This is part <clears throat> of what brought that on, by the way. <laughs> Indeed. Um, fantastic. Well, um, thank you for sharing that. I have been working on pride and prayer. I feel like I have stepped backwards in prayer, so I, I also – I like – Burke's sports term. Uh, it's a rebuilding week for me. I need, 
need some new prayer recruits. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the last talk we discussed was on pride. I That's a continual struggle for me. So the way it manifests in my life, I talked about other ways on the last podcast, but the sort of continual way that I have to constantly fight against is, and it's related to prayer is, um, I just feel like, no, I, you know, I'm going to wait until I really need the Lord to ask for help. Like, I got this. It's all right. I can figure it out. And of course, that's not a good way to do things. Um, and so just being more open and seeking the Lord's counsel more often and uh, more continuously and for matters great and small. Um, I think there is a place for acting when you have not received direct inspiration. I, I think that's certainly something the Lord expects us to do. I think sometimes, as he said to Oliver Cowdery, we have received inspiration that we weren't aware of as well. But um, definitely I feel like, okay, I'm going to figure this out instead of I'm going to, or as Elder Iring taught us, I just want to do your will. Tell me what it is and I will do it. Um, So I'm just constantly striving for that type of mindset. So I'm going to keep working on that, um, especially with the prayer part of that as they're connected for me. So that's an update on our invitations and what we're working on. So let's move on to our talk today. It's called Consecrate Thy Performance by Elder Neil A. Maxwell of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Very excited to talk about this one. I feel like we could have a second podcast that was all Elder Holland, Elder Maxwell, and Elder Scott talks. Um, (laughs) But uh, we're not going to do that, but we could. We could. Um, So I'm really happy to talk about an Elder Maxwell talk today. So, Burke, let's start with you. Uh, What was your fundamental doctrine from this talk? Well, um, not to directly answer that question, but to kind of answer it. um, uh, When we lived in our last house, I had like an acre and a half of grass that in the Pacific Northwest can sometimes be uh, six to eight hours a week job mowing, even with a riding mower. And one of the things I did because I wanted to know his words better was I made up a playlist of Elder Maxwell's talks. And so as I was mowing, I would listen and listen. And then in the years afterwards of teaching gospel doctrine and other things, a lot of times Maxwell quotes come to my head and they're almost always from this talk. So apparently this is something that I really need. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) um, even though, yeah, I listen to lots of talks. This is the one it was, it was funny going back and reading it the last week. I was like, Oh, yep. I use that one. Yep. I use that one. Yep. That one pops into my head all the time. So, but as far as, so for me, this is the fundamental Maxwell talk. Um, mm. which is, which is just for me, but I think his fundamental doctrine here, uh, and he says it in this, in this, well, I don't know, gosh, how do I pick one? So per- first off, I love how he says these remarks are addressed to the imperfect, but still striving in the household of faith, which I hope is all of us, um, unless you're already perfect, in which case kudos to you. Um, he <laughs> says, we tend to think of consecration only as yielding up when divinely directed our material possessions, but ultimate consecration is the yielding up of oneself to God. Heart, soul, and mind were the encompassing words of Christ in describing the first commandment, which is constantly, not periodically, operative. If kept, then our performances will, in turn, be fully consecrated for the lasting welfare of our souls. So, just in case you thought that consecration only was material things, surprise! It's all things. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Now, Burke, I'm gonna. I have two things to say about that. So one is you left out the second line of his opening paragraph, 
where he says, you know, these remarks are addressed to an imperfect, but still striving in the household of faith. And then he says, as always, my immediate audience is myself, which I found simultaneously hilarious and comforting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Cause he's like, it's almost like him saying, I'm going to throw out a bunch of really hard stuff here. And by the way, I haven't mastered it either. So we'll do it together. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then also I feel like Maxwell speaks in such a way that at least for me, it's, uh, there's like a processing time there. Right. Wow. So I got to digest cool. it, think about it. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can interpret his words for us or pick out some of those phrases again and sort of um, it's like reading Isaiah. You can't just like read it. You got to read it, think about it, see what three other people have said about it. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah. Can you give us an interpretation? You know, I think in the case of this talk, the best thing to do is to go ahead and soldier on and read some of the other things he said, because it really is a case where, where he states it there, I think in, in a very succinct manner, but then, actually will explain step by step kind of what it means and how we going about doing it and ultimately why it matters so much. Okay. Fantastic. I like it. Well, then let's go on to Rivka and we'll go with her fundamental doctrine and then we'll press on as Burke said. So Rivka, what was your fundamental doctrine? Okay. Here, (laughs) here's the paragraph that for me was the wrencher that got me thinking about this aspect of my discipleship that I talked about earlier. He said, sorry, in pondering and pursuing consecration, understandably, we tremble inwardly at what may be required. Yet the Lord has said consolingly, my grace is sufficient for you. Do we really believe him? He has also promised to make weak things strong. Are we really willing to submit to that process? Yet, if we desire fullness, we cannot hold back part. Having our wills increased, increasingly swallowed up by the will of the Father actually means an enhanced individuality, stretched and more capable of receiving all that God hath. So for me, that was the part of this talk that was just, it's those questions they get me sometimes. Like, do you really believe him when he says his grace is sufficient for you? I had to sit with that for a little this week because I thought, well, sometimes my response to things would indicate no, even though I want to answer yes. Like, you know, if I'm thinking about it in theory, I'm like, of course I believe that. But my responses to what he asks would indicate that I don't always have that trust in him. And like I talked about in the last one, I couch it as like not having faith in myself, but it's really that I'm not trusting what he is promising he'll do if I, if I do as he asks. Indeed. There is so much depth to that paragraph, Rivka. It's, it's incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, just thinking about those, he uses those great Elma questions, right? Like, do we really believe him? Are we really willing to submit to that process? And if we desire fullness, we cannot hold back part. Wow. So what do you do, Rivka, when you find yourself holding back part? How do you work through that? Well, my current (laughs) plan of action that I'm trying this week is, like my immediate response is, okay, then I will turn to him in prayer and ask him for the strength to overcome this weakness. It feels like that 
man in the New Testament who was like, Lord, I believe, help now, help thou my unbelief. It's almost like, like my, my soul wants to be able to act perfectly in this. And I cannot seem to make myself do that. And can you please help me? So, you know, as with everything, for me, the first answer is turn to the Lord, which is sometimes hard when you're like, but you're the one asking me to do this. And maybe I'm really (laughs) uncomfortable with that right now. And I don't know if I want to talk about this, but instead really, I mean, that's that act of humility, I think, is saying, okay, you and I both know where I'm at. Because it's not like we can hide from him how we feel and pretend like we can with other people. So I'm trying or to Or with be, ourselves. Or even with ourselves, right? Like, like I, you know, kneel down and be like, okay, I really don't want to do this thing you're asking me to do. And can you, I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't even know what to ask. Like, help me to have the desire to do it because I know it's not going to come that easy. But sometimes it's like, can you help me see? Can you help, can you help open my eyes to the potential good that comes out of, out of this? so that I can, so that together we can drum up some motivation to do this thing. Because sometimes he asks us to do really hard things. And I think he is, I think he, I know he is okay with the fact that we struggle with this. That's part of what our mortal journey is to be, is this wrestle that we have. And so I'm hoping that, and it's happened in the past when I've turned to him for that help, it has come and he has, in fact, magnified my ability to do something I did not think I would have the ability to do. And and left to my own devices, wouldn't have had the ability to do. But he does, I mean, he is a God of miracles. And those miracles play out every day in our lives as, as, <laughs> as we let his power run through it. And he can do wonders that, that we don't think are possible if we let him. Yeah. Unimaginable things, right? As Uchtdorf said. Um, As a very linear, concrete thinker, Rivka, I like what you said at the beginning where you said, well, I'm just going to schedule my scripture study. And um, that way it's not the last thing I do. Um, It's it's the first thing. And that's one way we can say I'm submitting to make weak things strong. And you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes into that. There's thought, there's intent, there's spirituality. But when pencil hits paper, we write down 7.30 a.m., study scriptures for 15 minutes. And and we put it first before we even get to that day. So I really yeah, like that I, as well. I mean, I don't know for... I don't know if this is more more a female thing or if this is a male thing too, but even sometimes doing that, I can justify those things away. Like if somebody asks me to do something or somebody's in need, it's really hard for me to say, I'm sorry, I can't. That's the time I have my scripture study scheduled. <laughs> Except like we talked about in the last one and this one, if we are more concerned about what God thinks of us than what men think of us, and maybe that person thinks we're silly, especially if they're not somebody who who does this religion thing. It, you know, like they might think we're really weird or that that's a foolish thing to put in place of something that to them seems more important. But this, I think that's a good example of a thing where we might, I think that's why this is one of those things that is so easy to push aside, that, that the rituals and the practice of our religion can be easily swept aside for other things because it does come at the expense sometimes of 
other people's thoughts of us and opinions of us. Definitely. At the end of that paragraph, he says, you know, we can, if we desire fullness, we cannot hold back part, which is very Maxwellian. Um, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but we love hot chocolate in this house. And uh, when I was growing up, that was like Mm -hmm. water with some little packet of Swiss Miss or whatever in Mm -hmm. it tossed in the microwave and a spoon swished around and then you drink it. And it wasn't that great. Eventually, we discovered milk works better. (laughs) And then we upgraded to we have this hot chocolate machine where you pour and we use whole milk and then we use nice, you know, um, branded, you know, hot chocolate like a, a you know, more specialty flavors, things like that. Eventually we move to like melting chocolate. So it's like literal <laughs> chunks of chocolate that you put in. I know, I know, Delicious. I know we deserve everyone who wants to make fun of us. We deserve it. We know it's an obsession. It's probably overboard. Um, but inevitably when these machines, they like spin the milk around at such a high rate and they heat it to such a temperature that you can like super saturate the milk with chocolate. And it's just so good, (laughs) (laughs) but but because it's, (laughs) it is, it's really good because it's so saturated with chocolate. Inevitably, when you get to the bottom of the cup or mug of hot chocolate, that's the most chocolatey part because all the little chocolatey bits are like precipitating Mm -hmm. out basically, or they didn't, you know, mix (laughs) in in the first place. And that's the best part is the last like swig. The last mouthful is the best part of the hot chocolate. And I always think of that when I'm drinking hot chocolate and, and he says here, you know, we, we can't hold back part. We don't want to hold back the best parts of our lives for ourselves, right? We want to, we want to consecrate those to the Lord. And sometimes that's hard. Um, but the part of us that's generous and good and kind and loving, um, we don't want to just keep that for ourselves or our own purposes or our jobs or whatever it is. We want to um, give those up to the Lord in in his service in whatever way he asks. And and we'll get back in return in return more than we give. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he does, he does say here, whatever else we may have already given the last portion is the hardest to yield. Indeed. Yes. Thank you. I thought of that same thing. The last portion is the hardest to yield. And guess what? Whatever the last portion is right now, it's not really the last. Cause once you give that, there's going to be something else to give as well. So, um, <laughs> then, so maybe the next portion, I don't know. Um, okay. So we're still on fundamental doctrines, uh, even though we've had a great <laughs> discussion about consecrating and giving our, our whole souls. Well, here's my fundamental doctrine that I picked out. Um, he says, in striving for ultimate submission, our wills constitute all we really have to give God anyway. The usual gifts and their derivatives we give to him could be stamped justifiably, returned to sender with a capital S. Even when God receives this one gift in return, the fully faithful will receive all that he hath. What an exchange rate. What a paragraph. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I I think of it as like, you know, you go all in and he goes all in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like one of those poker games. (laughs) You look at, look at that table and you're like, what did I bet? Almost nothing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you you push in one chip and the other guy pushes in a million dollars. Like, oh, well, if yeah. I'm gonna win and get all that money back, 
Yeah, so true. What an exchange rate. And he talks in many talks about giving your whole soul or your will to the Lord as the only true gift you have anyway. But, oh, the way he phrases it here, oh, mm-hmm. just so good. And yeah. to think of all the things. And then, you know, he goes on about our lives, our agency, our talents, and so on. Think of all the things he's given me. Anything that I'm using my talents for, well, he gave me those. Any any of the things in my life, the only thing I have to give to him truly is I will do your will. I will give my will to you to do your will. And and in a in one of the paradoxes of the gospel, which there are so many, it that submission brings independence. It's I don't know how it works. We give our life to gain our life. It's mm-hmm. it's incredible. So that paragraph just really resonated with me. Absolutely. I marked that one also as my other fundamental doctrine. So Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Burke, let's keep going. Um, where else do you want to go with this talk? Um, I like how he brings up Moses in here. So he says, touting our own hand makes it doubly hard to confess, confess God's hand in all things. And I'm reminded of a time on my mission when I actually knocked a door and was attempting to talk to a man. And he said, you know, held up his fist and shook it. And he said, this is what I trust. And I thought, oh, there's scriptures about you. Um <laughs> 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 but but he says here, at a place called Meribah, one of the greatest ever, Moses was fatigued by people clamoring for water. Momentarily, Moses spake unadvisedly, saying, must we fetch you water? The Lord mentored remarkable Moses through the pronoun problem and further magnified him. And I mean, it's an interesting <laughs> way to spell that out, you know? Hey, Moses got in trouble for a pronoun. Well, what have I done? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Love that part. Fantastic. Well, Rivka, what else? Where else do you want to go with this talk? Oh, um, there, there are so many parts of this where it's like just these beautiful sentences. Um, how about this one? Spiritual submissiveness is not accomplished in an instant. We, we love the, the repetition of that sentiment. We heard it a lot in the last conference, right? Where we have these the 1% better and the, I don't know. Anyway, spiritual submissiveness is not accomplished in an instant, but by the incremental improvements and by the successive use of stepping stones. Stepping stones are meant to be taken one at a time anyway. Eventually, our wills can be swallowed up in the will of the Father as we are willing to submit, even as a child does submit to his father. Otherwise, though striving, we will continue to feel the world's prop wash and be partially diverted. So I had never heard the term prop wash before. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but I had to look it up. So um, prop wash is the force or wind generated behind a propeller, particularly on or before takeoff, when higher full power is set, but also when the aircraft is taxiing. So. I was thinking about that imagery, like the world's prop washes. It's like, I don't know, just that blowback that happens sometimes. Um, But then I also found a nautical um, definition, um, or I mean, it's the same idea off of the propeller, but when you're sailing, the propeller's in water. And so in sailing, the prop wash causes instability in steering because of the turbulence over the rudder. And so I was that helped me to understand what he was saying. If we're not, um, if we're not using these stepping stones and are just allowing the waters to kind of 
go over us as we muddle our own way through things, then we are we would be subject to that push that sometimes happens and it and it affects our steering or the direction that we're going. I don't I don't know. Can you picture it in your head? I can and I'm not always very good about getting those pictures out in words. But I can I think what that looks like is if we're just going about our way um and not consecratedly living the gospel, not fully in and not intentionally and carefully doing it, but we're just kind of going as a force of habit or as just part of our, you know, part of our lives that goes unthought about, then when something from the world pushes and can throw us off track, we're it's easier for us to be blown off course and to be overcome with the with the water or even find ourselves drowning and and out really struggling. So he's saying spiritual submissiveness isn't accomplished in an instant, which is great because we can work on it. And he's asked he's reminding us that these stepping stones are meant to be taken one at a time and intentionally. So it's okay if we're doing this little by little as long as we're really focusing on what we're doing. Because if we're connected to the stepping stone, which I mean right? The rock of our foundation is Jesus Christ. So if we're working with him through this process, then we will be able to weather the turbulence that comes from the world. Fantastic. Um, you know, jet, jet wash is what killed goose in the movie Top Gun. So I was thinking the same thing. Yep. I was like, that's how goose died. I know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, um, thank you Rivka for that discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll go on to one of the quotes I liked. He said, a stumbling block appears when we serve God generously with time and checkbooks, but still withhold portions of our inner selves, signifying that we are not yet fully his. So that's sort of going back to the idea of giving the last, last part of ourselves. Um, and the reason this stood out to me is, um, I just gained a new perspective on a stumbling block, uh, Deanna and, I and our son recently took a lovely, lovely trip to go see the Oberammergau Passion Play. So you'll have to, I don't have time to describe it here. You'll have to Google it. It's been going on for almost 400 years and it depicts the final days of Christ's life. And uh, it was tremendous. We were with a tour group in Salzburg, Austria after the play and walking through the streets and the tour guide said, okay, everybody looked down and there were two little gold cobblestone looking things in the cobblestone street. And she said, that is a stumbling block. And I thought, oh, I didn't know that was a real thing. And I thought it was just a term to mean you like get tripped up by something difficult. And on, if you looked closely on the stumbling block was written the name, the names of people, a few of the people from Salzburg who were killed in World War II. And so as you're walking through the streets and you and the blocks are a little bit different shape, raised up a tiny bit, and you feel that difference or you catch your toe on it or something, you take a moment and you remember those people who have departed um, and who were, who were, in this case, killed in World War II. So um, it changed my perspective of stumbling block from this thing that sort of messes with our progress or trip, trips us up or keeps us from moving forward to a great reminder of things that um, 
you know, ways that I could improve. So in, in the gospel context here, so he's saying, um, you know, this is aimed squarely. This this line is aimed squarely at faithful temple recommend holding members of the church, right? You're generous with your time and your checkbook, but still withhold a portion of your inner selves. So rather than thinking of it as like, well, that's going to keep me from progressing. Um, I want those little moments where I'm convicted and I feel that stumbling block to um, trigger my uh, mind to say, okay, this is this is somewhere where I can remember the Savior, his sacrifice for me, and know that I can overcome this and keep moving forward. So I thought that was a new way to think of stumbling blocks in my mind and in my heart. And uh, I was surprised that it came up right away as we read this talk shortly after we returned from that trip. And I thought it was an interesting um, uh, coincidence that those two things happened back to back. So that line really stuck out to me. Okay. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time here. As with the last talk, I feel like we could go on for another hour, um, but we're not going to. So let's move on to any promises and invitations that we found in this talk. So we'll start with Burke. What did you find here? So the invitation that um, most pops up in my mind from this talk is uh, right near the end. He says, frankly, it is our perspective selves we betray by holding back whatever the part, which goes along with what we've been talking about. And he says, no need, therefore, to ask, Lord, is it I? Rather, let us inquire about our individual stumbling blocks. Lord, is it this? And I really love this quote because, you know, you read the New Testament and all the apostles, you know, is it I? Is it I? They want to know who's going to betray him. And what he's really saying here is all of us have already betrayed him. So what you need to find out is how are you doing it and how are you going to change it? And this pops into my mind a lot and helps me to continually kind of ask that, you know, what lack I yet or what do I need to still be working on? Or is this the thing that's holding me back from the potential that I have? So I really like that invitation. Oh, I loved that. And it goes back to President Benson's talk, takes true humility to say, well, Lord, is it this? And to what Rivka said about about trembling when we're allowing weak things to be made strong to really ask him, is it this can, you know, what can I do to overcome this? So yeah, that was a really powerful invitation. So, uh, and he says, we may have known the answer for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. That happens a lot. Yeah. We may need resolve more than his response. Indeed. So. Yes. Uh, Rivka, how about you? What invitations or promises stood out to you? So this invitation is kind of a combination of things that he said. Um, one of my favorite quotes from this talk, he says, the best way to valiantly testify of Jesus is to become steadily more like him. And it is that consecration that carves out our emulative character. So the best way we can valiantly testify of him is to become more like him. And then at the end of the talk, he says, Brothers and sisters, come, let us anew this journey pursue. It's a quote from the hymn. And I love that invitation because to me it said, because it says, come, let us anew this journey pursue. Like, once again, <laughs> let's keep going. That that consistent striving, we're going to mess up. If we haven't been doing this or we haven't been doing it for a while, just start again. Start again, and we will steadily become more like Jesus Christ. The more times we we come anew to this journey, and we re put ourselves on the path. Fantastic, 
Thank you very much. Okay, that does it. What a great talk. And I really love the idea of putting our whole will, our whole soul, our, our will on, on the altar and offering it up to the Lord. And and that takes great humility and something that's a process, as he says. So I thought this was a fantastic talk. Well, probably the next thing we're going to talk about is the opening remarks from General Conference and maybe a conference recap, something along those lines. So next week is General Conference. Woo! I'm excited. Yeah! <laughs> so, um, yeah, really looking forward to that. And so hopefully we will be um, recording, you know, pretty soon after General Conference has aired. So we're looking forward to doing that. Um, so in the meantime, you can get a hold of us on uh, social media at Words of the Prophets Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thank you very much for joining us today. And until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.